0: This episode is being dedicated to my good friend Jack Heinrich, a.k.a. Jack Hines, and the unfortunate reminder of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255, 1-87-273-8255, last four spells I'll talk. We're going to miss you, buddy. A morning of shock and panic for New York City as Manhattan deals with subways being shut down because of abandoned rice cookers. Also, we're back officially. One more Matrix, one more time. The Matrix 4 is on tap with some key players coming back. And we also mourn the life and the passing of Peter Fonda at the age of 79 after a long lung cancer battle. Those three stories were big this week, but not quite big enough to make it to the top stories. We'll talk about the top stories in just a moment. The top 10, as said per you, what stories were the most conversational all week long on this podcast podcast. The Conversations Wrap-Up Show with me, Jay Cleveland-Payne. This is the show for the week ending August twenty fourth, 2019. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Cleveland-Payne. This show is now recalled, This is a Conversations Wrap-Up Show. Very much longer title, but... It pretty much fits what people are calling it. They just keep calling it This Is A Conversation. That's the name of the website. So that's what it is. We're still calling ourselves Working On The Conversation Project. We'll see if that ever catches on. But thisisaconversation.com is the home for a project where we try to have the best conversations with the best conversationalists around the world. And what we do is we have... Twitter and Facebook feeds and an Instagram feed as well. But on Facebook and Twitter, every 50 minutes or so, we post a brand new link to a brand new story, various different sources, some of them pretty cool. Some of them you may not like because you don't like them. Some of them are a little sketchy, I will say. But we try to post something every 50 minutes, brand new stories. And as you check your other social media links, you'll see us in your feeds. We hope you see us in your feeds. From there, you just interact with the stories, and the more interaction the story gets, the higher it goes in the ranking. So like it, love it, hate it, share it, do whatever you need to do to interact with it, whatever feature you want to, whichever source you want to, and it gets added up. The two scores get put into a algorithm that evens them out, gives us a the total score, and we give you a show that offers up 16 different stories for the week. Now, first, those, those, well, those uh, handles for Twitter, TH underscore conversation, and for Facebook, this is the conversation now 16 stories works out like this section number one right here we're going to talk about the top 10 stories counting down from 10 to 1 the stories that you said were the most important most conversational despite whatever was stuck on your breaking news Chiron all day long on the cable news networks and that's the really big kicker part of this thing it's based on you and your reactions that's why your reactions are so important to these things the second segment, we'll have the housekeeping segment, which uh, is going to be very light today because we don't have any really weird things. Well, we do have one really weird thing. We'll get to that when we get into the countdown. But we don't have any really odd things that things to explain in our math this week. It's all based on what happened with you guys. We also offer up the almost irrelevant story of the week. This is story number 212 this week. 212 distinct different stories on the week. And this is a story that's at the very bottom of the list when we cut it off and we kind of explain why normally it's because it's one of the latest later posting stories this one is very late posted early this morning before we cut things off and so that explains its reason for being at the low end and then we read you a bit of the story and show that it may not be all that irrelevant after all this one might not be as irrelevant as it seems on the out end because of the way we're thinking these days Segment three, we start off with shout outs. We give love to people who gave us extra love on Facebook and Twitter this week. And then we round out the top 15 stories that you heard in the tease plus two to give you a sense of what stories were really, really, really big, but not quite in the top 10. It also makes it for a much fuller story. Along the way, we'll talk about some sponsors, and we'll highlight a podcast for this week, some other podcaster who probably doesn't need my help, but some podcasts that I enjoy, I love, that I'm pitching out to you guys to add to your podcasting love as well. So without further ado, let's get into the actual work of this thing. Let's start counting down the stories from 10 to 1 in the top 10. And what we have for the number 10 story is a story, a question that divides us all in, as a nation, as a world, I would say. And unfortunately, we have an answer to it now. I say unfortunately because if you're like me, you don't really like this answer. The question, as the headline posted from the article, what temperature should I set my thermostat? This article, we, we posted the article link on Tuesday, August the 12th. As I said, it's the number 10 story this week. The, I will read you... Uh, a good chunk from the article and then we can argue about it on the back end. Well, arguing about air conditioners today because what else do you yell about with strangers when you are stuck in a presently sweaty doldrums of August? Here's a tweet that's rolling everyone up. General Titus, an investigative reporter from WTSP 10 in Tampa area of Florida is just a messenger here. She's still getting rash ratioed because she pulled out the most eye-popping stats from the Consumer Reports article that recommend the best temperatures for your air conditioner via ENERGY STAR, a joint program from the Department of Energy, DOE, and Environmental Protection Agency, EPA. According to the report, you should set your thermostat at 78 degrees Fahrenheit when you're home, 85 degrees when you're at work or away, and at 82 degrees when you're sleeping. It's the last temperature that has particularly irked the Twitterari. who who aren't super into the idea of going to bed every night in Tampa-like conditions, especially in the dead of August. It makes sense to not go overboard with your AC during the summer. Cooling your house sucks up a lot of energy, says the DOE. Says you can slash about 3% off your energy bills for every degree you raise your central air's temperature. Economically and environmentally, an 82-degree bedroom checks out. From a comfort standpoint, not so much. The Natural Sleep Foundation, for its part, says your bedroom should be somewhere between 60 and 67 degrees for optimal snoozing, as that range helps your body cool down and fall asleep faster. All the links to all of our stories we talk about are going to be inside the link for this week's podcast. So if you go to com and click the podcast for the week ending eight twenty 2019 you'll see the podcast again and you'll see the links are all there so you can go deeper into any story that we don't go into we're not going to read any more on this one but essentially you see where the fight is going and it's always a lady and a dude and we had this i had this at a radio station i worked at where a lady wanted it you know warm she wanted it like 95 degrees all the time and a, a guy who sat in literally the next office but the thermostat controlled both rooms was always putting it down to like 40 if possible more like 65 or so and it was an ongoing thing until eventually they put a lock on the thing somebody broke the lock it was a it was a, it was a mess it, w- it was a total mess this is a fight that will divide us for a generations i'm sure but um consumer reports is not making things any easier for anyone right now with that kind of stats saying that temperatures should be that high when you're sleeping let's move to the story in the number 9 spot this story gets a bump in response of Point zero six nine percent That's not a lot, but that just means it's that much more responsive. That many more people responded to this story throughout the week than the story in the 10 spot. And the story's headline is, Mormon Church Warning, Beware of those Fancy Coffee Drinks. Friday, August the 16th, the day we posted this one, and we told you to go, or gave you the bumper response. NBC News was the source for this story, uh, so let's read you a few lines from this story. NBC News talking about the Mormon's getting into the coffees they are not supposed to be getting into. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has issued a warning to members that coffee is prohibited no matter how fancy the name, that vaping is banned despite the alluring flavors, and that marijuana is outlawed unless prescribed by competent, that's in parentheses, doctors. The new guidance in the August issue of the Church Youth Magazine does not include fundamental changes to the religious strict health code, but the clarifications are significant and seem to reflect growing concerns about young Latter-day Saints' adherence to the rules. The article says it aims to clear up issues that could be confusing for young people within their religion's world of wisdom, word of wisdom, butchering that today, a set of rules about what foods and drinks are good for members and what substance cake should avoid. The rules prohibit alcohol, tobacco, illegal drugs, and coffee and tea. They are based on what the church members believe was a revelation from God to founder Joseph Smith in 1833. The faith's rejection of coffee has long-generated curiosity and more than a few jokes, including a scene in the biting satirical Broadway musical called The Book of Mormon, where dancing cups of coffee appear to missionaries' nightmares. The new instructions about coffee make clear that there's no gray area allowing coffee-infused drinks and allure to the wide variety that would tempt members of the faith, widely known as the Mormon Church. This goes deeper into the thing, and I know some about this personally. I am not Mormon, but I worked with a guy who was Mormon, and it was always a weird thing where we would go and do our time and have our coffee breaks, and he couldn't have coffee. He couldn't have tea. He couldn't eat nuts because he was allergic to it, but a coffee and tea, and so he was always... um always checking out on things we're having in the break room. Coffee cake was not really coffee in the cake, but if you had like a coffee infused chocolate, he couldn't eat it, things like that. And he was really strict with that. And even with his wife and his kids, and it's a really good thing that he adhered to that. But those things like that, while you may think they just get in the way of your fun, there's a reason behind that. And if the Mormon faith believes you should stay away from these types of stimulants, then you're supposed to stay away from them, even if the allure of the times making them seem like they're less harmless and more fun are out there. Because the devil is out there, whatever your devil is, it's out there trying to tempt you. And in this case, it's trying to tempt the Mormons with the allure of really cool named and really sweet tasting coffees. Let's move on to the next story we have today. The number nine story reads like this. No, number eight story I should say reads like this. Airport worker fired for slipping You Ugly Note to Traveler. NBC News also sourced on this one. Saturday, August 17th, the day we posted this one, and 5.48% is the bump in response from the 9 story. This, I must say, was my most favorite story of the week, bar none, and I was a little afraid it wasn't going to make any headways at all, but thanks to the fact that we have Facebook and Twitter, the combination of the two, the numbers brought it up to the number eight spot this week. So I'm glad we do both both polls from both sources. Let's read a bit from the source of the story to tell you what the whole big deal is. A security screener at New York's airport is out of a job after slipping a note to a traveler that read, you ugly. Neil Stratzner was going through a security checkpoint at Greater Rochester International Airport in late June when a security guard handed him a torn piece of paper with the word scrawled on it. Stratzner said he only recently obtained a copy of security footage from that day through the Freedom of Information Act. Quote, I called the airport and tried to get the information and they said I had to talk to the county, Stratzner said on Friday. I called the county, they said that it was the only way I could get it. After he passed through the security checkpoint, he began walking away. Strasner said he heard the worker yell back at him. You going to open that note? I was more confused than anything, Strasner said. I kind of just looked at it and thought, that was weird. Strassner, who lives in Rochester and travels weekly in his role as a technical coordinator, said he was on his way to Wichita for a work trip the morning of the incident. He said he called the airport that afternoon to file a complaint and was advised to stop in with security when he returned later that week. When he met with a supervisor at the airport, Sraksha said he got the impression that the supervisor didn't believe him. Go deeper in the story by clicking the link inside of the website for this week's podcast. Inside the website, the link in this week's podcast can't get that out straight this is a conversation.com is the website the links for the podcast week ending 8 24 2019 and you can check that out and get deeper into this one now like i said this is my favorite story of the week and it's very much not politically correct me to say this but it's just it's just so ridiculous so odd so out there that it's it's just so entertaining and informative in all all together as one. So it may not be the most important story of this week, but like I said, this is one I instantly fell in love with. Let's move on to the next story for this week. This one actually much more important towards the nation and the world in the way things are happening today. The headline for this one first, reading that one, the headline for this one is Rashida Tlaib will not go to West Bank after Israel grants request, as the number seven story this week. It's posted on Friday, August the 16th. This story happens to get a bump in response of 5.19% from the number eight story. We'll read you some from this one and do the commentary afterwards. USA Today is our source for this, but of course, this was a big old story that was a flip-flop, flippity-flip-flop. More on that to come. Israel says it will allow Representative Rashida Tlaib into Israel-occupied West Bank this weekend, its interior minister said Friday. Tlaib, a Democrat from Michigan, is now allowed to enter the Israeli-occupied West Bank on humanitarian grounds after she received a visit from her Palestinian grandmother, Minister Arian Derry said in a statement. Derry's office also published a letter from Tlaib in which she said she'd respect any restrictions and, quote, not promote boycotts while in the country. Tlaib and Representative Ehad Omar, Democrat of Minnesota, were were barred Thursday from entering the country. Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu announced, and the the junk hours after President Donald Trump tweeted that Israel Israel should take the extraordinary step. Omar and Tlaib, the first Muslim women to serve in Congress, had planned to travel to Jerusalem and the West Bank, among other stops, this weekend. The two progressives have been sharply criticized of Israel over its treatments of Palestine. Now, that's where the article actually ends, but we all know the story has a beginning, so it has two or three middles, and has a finale. In this one, the finale didn't quite make it, which was make very weird. Okay, so this this trip was planned months ago. And as we said, the two representatives are the first first Muslims to, com- to Congress, that being Omar and Talib, They had this plan, they were going to go to the West Bank, they are going to go to Jerusalem, and they had already planned on not inciting any ruckuses to begin with. They had a letter straight up saying they're not going to talk about boycotting Israel while they were there. That's not their point. And while they were there, uh, Talib was going to visit her grandmother who lives in the occupied territory. All makes sense. Donald Trump sends out a tweet saying that Israel would look weak for letting these women in Donald Trump, who is saying the people on my team, this is my basketball team, but I, but I'm going to tell you right now, we're going, we're, we're we're good. We're going to this tournament, but don't let my point guard, my backup center into, into the venue. We'll, we'll figure it out. We don't need those guys. Donald Trump essentially blowing out his own team to um, suck up to Netanyahu, um, Netanyahu, who basically um, was like, that makes sense. We're going to keep him out of the country. So because the world realized exactly how dumb it was to do, they pushed back on Israel for Israel to basically back off. The moral and the end of the story is the fact that Tlaib did not go. She decided, I'm not going. Not worth the effort, not worth the hassle I'm going to miss my grandmother, but we'll figure something out. Her grandmother's pretty upset about the whole thing going on. But after all the back and forth, uh, both the congresswomen did not go, and this caused quite the kerfuffle for people who were looking for things to complain about for Donald Trump. Although, you don't have to look very far for things to complain about for Donald Trump because he basically creates them daily. So we're going to move on to the story that's the number six spot this week. And this is one that surprised me quite a bit. But I'm often surprised by what you guys checked on to. Not so much the stories, but which ones pick up. But the actual, I guess, the, the background on this story. So the headline for the number six story is Hashtag Boycott Milan Trends After Crystal Lu Yafel Supports Chinese Hong Kong Crackdown NBC News also the source for this story. Friday, August sixteenth, the day we posted it, bumper response from the seven-story of fourteen point two percent. Calls for a boycott of Disney's live-action remake of the nineteen ninety-eight animated movie Mulan were trending on social media Friday after the movie star, Chinese-born Crystal Liu Yifei, shared a message supportive of police crackdown of Hong Kong protesters. The actress shared a text images. Wednesday from the people's daily, a Chinese newspaper tied to the country's communist party that read, I support the Hong Kong police. You can beat me up now to her nearly 66 million followers on Weibo, a social media service similar to Twitter. That is popular in China lettering below read in English. What a shame for Hong Kong. Lu's post had been liked 78,000 times in less than a day. From when it was initially shared and retweeted nearly sixty nine thousand times, whose comments have prompted the rise of the hashtag hashtag boycott Mulan on other social media platforms including Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all of which are blocked by China's strict censorship regime on Instagram. Her comments have also been host to a showdown between pro Beijing and pro Hong Kong factions on Twitter. User Chuck Ting Ho said she found Liu's lack of sympathy for protesters, quote, disappointing, adding, longer quote, they are fighting for their homeland like Mulan. Other users earned over 100, or 1,300 retweets in less than 12 hours for the message. How, long, how tone deaf do you have to be to support police brutality when you, are, when you just film the character who is supposed to stand against oppression in its raw form? We have talked every single week about the protests in Hong Kong uh, since it started. I believe it's on week 10 or so like that. But we basically talked about it every single thing that's going on. So why? Because it's a big deal. Because it's a really big deal in a nation here in the United States where democracy is supposed to be our foundation. We're supposed to be the shining symbol of how it's supposed to work. There are times we know that we're not doing such a great job on that. So a lot of times people are seeing this in Hong Kong, which is supposed to have its democracy from being a a Commonwealth of Britain to still having democracy now being given back to China. And this is going to be something we'll be keeping up with for quite some time. Today, well, I, let, me, let me not say this. Uh, we will get into actual protesting coming up when we round up the top 15. We will get back to stories that actually fall in line with the actual protest this is not a fluke but just a sort of a thing that popped up where we have two stories that we're going to talk about this week the most important one per you is a story on the boycott mulan movement long-time listeners to the podcast know that i am bonkers in love for bonkers john mcafee the founder of the mcafee software packages the one of the big daddies of packages to keep your software safe from or your computer safe from, viruses and all that stuff. And the fact that he went bonkers and is doing all sorts of weird, crazy things. And anytime he does something, I'm all in for it. I love Overstock.com for the stuff they provide. And I may be all into the new bonker story coming out of this one. This is one that was posted on Thursday, August 22nd, late yesterday. And it had all the juice to make it to number five all that quickly. The headline is Oversock CEO resigns. Patrick Byrne announced today he's stepping down after Russian agent Maria Butina affair and steep state comments. Bump in response in this one from the number six story is 15.14%. And if you've been following this, which it's hard, it's very quick to follow because it's a very quick moving story. You know, this one got really weird really quickly. Let me read you some from CBS News our source for the story and so you can get a gist of it and we'll discuss a bit after i've butchered the read overstock.com ceo patrick byrne resigned from the retailer thursday following his cryptic statement last week about the deep state and his involvement in various investigations he had so also told the new york times he had an affair with convict convicted russian agent maria butina in a letter sent Thursday to shareholders, Burns said he had no choice but to resign following his comments, quote, my presence, may affect the complicated all, my, my presence may affect and complicate all manner of business relationships and insurability to strategic discussions regarding our retail business. Thus, while I believe that I did what was necessary for the good of the country, for the good of the firm, I am in the sad position of having a seven new ties with Overstock, both as CEO and board member, effective Thursday, August 22nd. Overstock.com said board member Jonathan E. Johnson, the third, that's a lot of Johns, will step in as interim CEO. Byrne's statement last week raised eyebrows with the executive claiming to have assisted federal investigators in the quote Clinton investigation and the Rustin Russian investigation. Seemingly in reference to the FBI probe into Russian interference with the 2016 presidential election, investigators were spooked, investors were spooked, sending shares of overstock down by more than one-third over a two-day period. Shares of overstock jumped after the company said Byrne had resigned. Early Thursday training, stock was up more than nine percent. Click the link inside of this week's this week's podcast and you can read more deeper into the story or just look for more stuff popping up. This one got bizarre very quickly. So Byrne says that he is not only had an affair with uh, the Russian spy, uh, he also was contacted by the FBI to go to do some stuff into the investigation of the whole Russian conspiracy thing. The big issue is the people who are involved with uh, the spying. uh, One of them being former FBI director James Comey says, that's not how this thing works. We don't just go to random people and say, go check out stuff for us. That's not how the whole thing actually gets done. So whether you believe him or not is all up to you. Like I said, I am all for any crazy John McAfee story, even though they are totally unbelievable. I will take them 100%. This one gets really, really bonkers really, really quickly. Your choice to believe is on you. And of course, as I always say, your mileage may vary on all the thoughts we talk about here. Back to another story that's actually really important on stuff. This is a recall that you may have saw. If you haven't seen it, then you'll probably get on this and check what you have out in your refrigerator. Tyson Foods recalls more than 39,000 pounds of chicken patties. Friday, August the 16th, the day we posted this, a bumper response from the previous story of 20.66%. USA Today is the source. A quick couple lines from the source. Tyson Foods has issued a recall for frozen chicken chicken patties, products over concerns they were possibly contaminated with extraneous materials. Say that three times fast. The U.S. Department of Agriculture said, recall affects approximately 39,000 78 pounds of Weaver brand fully cooked frozen chicken patties produced January 31st. The patties were sold in 26 ounce receivable bags with a use by date of January 31st, 2020. The USDA Food Safety Inspection Service said in a statement. The bags targeted in the recall include the number P13456 printed on the back of the receivable bag. The agency said, The FSIS statement said the patties may have been contaminated with foreign matter, but did not offer additional details. FSIS officials said they were notified of potential contamination after consumers complained. More details on the recall, what you should be looking out for, and what you should be looking out for in general in your food by going to the article. Article, like I say, we posted was from USA Today, but click on the link from this week's podcast and you will be able to see Th- all of the details from all the stories we worked on this week. So you can get all the deeper details and everything, but you'll be able to get the, essentially what you're looking for is the serial number, the, the the recall number. So, you know, if your chicken is really to be worried about. And we continue on the chicken theme as we go to the story in the number three spot. And this one becomes a real, this one was a real barn burner. This one was a big deal. The headline Chick fil A and Popeyes spark Twitter beef over chicken sandwiches. More on chicken patties. Monday, August 19th, the date this was posted, bump in response of 39.74%. So, Popeyes released a chicken sandwich this week or late last week, and so people are tasting it, testing it, seeing what they like about it. My local Popeyes has been out of chicken sandwiches for two days, and so I've yet to have a chance to jump in the debate myself. However, the Chick-fil-A is essentially is a uh, fighting back. Other folks are jumping in as well, but there's a real beef back and forth over the whole Chick-fil-A, the original chicken sandwich, the God's restaurant chicken sandwich versus Popeye's new chicken sandwich. Let me read you a few lines from Fox News who jumped in on the bait themselves. Chick-fil-A apparently isn't going to let someone else come in and take the chicken sandwich away from them. The fast food chain appears to be in a social media feud with Popeyes over their competing chicken sandwiches. Both sandwiches are similar and both offer fried chicken and pickles. Popeyes introduced its sandwich only recently on August 12th. It features a buttermilk battered and hand-breaded chicken filet on a toasted brioche bun and is topped with pickles and either mayo or spicy Cajun spread. Chick-fil-A sandwich comes on a toasted buttered bun with a dill pickle chips. The restaurant claims the original chicken sandwich of its kind and dates back to the early 1960s. With that in mind, Chick fil A tweeted out a message which, based on the timing, was seemingly directed at Popeyes. Tweet said, Bun plus chicken and pickles equals all the love for the original. Popeyes then responded with a tweet which simply, Y'all good? Fans on social media immediately began choosing sides, although it seemed that most were just amused by the possible beef between two restaurants. Fans of Popeye seemed to prefer the seasoning, while Chick-fil-A fans praised the restaurant's famous sauce. So you can get a little bit deeper into that story. But if you hadn't heard, Chick-fil-A has got some extra competition with a very hyped chicken sandwich from Popeye's. Popeye's before never had a chicken sandwich, and now they have an actual chicken breaded patty made straight for sandwiches, not just the strips inside of a bun. So you can take the test yourself. And once you do, let us know. Email us at inbox at gmail.com or talk to us inside the social media. Let us know which side of the aisle you stand with. Are you team Popeye's? Are you team Chick-fil-A? Going on to the story that's number two this week. This happens to be the number one Twitter story this week, which is a bit unusual. We will talk about that in the actual housekeeping segment in segment two, because it's usually the Twitter, top Twitter is number one because Twitter is so fast. This one is a doozy though, but this story and the week is a doozy. Uh, This is one that I was surprised by and I was a little surprised by the response, but being that a lot of the people that I talk to in dealing with this podcast are 40-year-old dudes, it wasn't as surprising as it should have been. The headline is, Kevin Smith is making a new He-Man cartoon for Netflix, posted on Monday, August the 19th. As we said, this was the top Twitter story for the week, and a bumper response very slight of 0.56% from the three-story. But, oh, wait till we get to the number one story. That's going to be Bonkers. The source for this story is A.V. Club, one of the Deadspin properties. I think there's still Deadspin properties. I'll read you a couple of lines from this one. As announced today at the PowerCon convention in California, Kevin Smith is making a new He-Man cartoon for Netflix. Unlike the excellent She-Ra, which is still presumably to be totally unrelated to the original spinoff, the original was a spin-off of the He-Man show, this one won't be some kind of cool new takeoff in the property, though. According to a press release, it will be a, quote, wholly original story, unquote, that nonetheless focuses on unresolved storylines of the classic 80s era. And it will be called Masters of the Universe Revelation. So it sounds like a sequel series, even though Netflix doesn't use that word. Smith will act as a showrunner and executive producer alongside writers Eric Haruso, Tim Sheridan, Daya Mishra, and Mark Burnman get deeper into this story by going to the website for ThisIsTheConversation.com. Click on this week's podcast page and click the link for the story to go deeper in the tail than that one. We have to save a little time because we're running a little late. And the next story, it's it's a doozy. It's it's just uh, it's a phenomena. It's it's something that goes against what we normally get in these things. It's amazing how it worked out this week, but it did so. The number one story on Facebook this week is the number one story of the Facebook response. And it was beyond amazing, beyond what we could expect. And the story itself is um, a bit bizarre. Not quite as bizarre as the CEO of a big American company going down for the FBI to study the whole Russia thing, but it is pretty freaky. Let's get you the stats for it. So before we go a little bit too. Verbose in the actual hype of it, as I am trying to hype this one up. It is hypeable. The story was posted on August the 15th, Friday, August the 15th. It gets a bumper response from the number two story of get this one, 2,801%. From the number 10 story, which is the thermostat temperature when you sleep, and that story being totally bonkers. 7,024%, and from what we call the Almost Relevant Story of the Week, story number 212212, at the very bottom of the list, it gets a bump of response of 1,032,900. Those are correct numbers. I checked the stats three times to make sure this was all good, but based on the response from Facebook, it made it amazing. There were a lot of shares and responses to shares, which, which made this one a big one. And so how we got to be the source for so many of these things, including a lot of big-time media, I'll say big-time, like, like radio stations and TV stations with link to our share, which was awesome. Here is your headline that freaked you guys out that much. Tesla Model 3 owner gets valet key implanted into her arm. Businessinsider.com is the source for this one. We got this from, I'm sure, Other people had their own places to kind of complain about it. But here's a few lines from the story that Business Insider posted. There are Tesla fans, and then there are Tesla fans. Amy D.D., a software developer and biohacker in Texas, likely falls into more enthusiastic of the two categories. Over the past 11 months, Amy stripped down the valet card to her Tesla Model 3, removed the important bits. Fabricated an implant and successfully became a human embodiment of the key. Now she can unlock the electric car with just a wave. The bulk of the story is pictures of her breaking down the process of making herself a a, bi, a, bi, a cyborg biohacked person, and being able to just wave her arm and open her car. Uh, you can check that out by going to the website. As I said often, this is conversation dot com. Click on the link for this week's podcast, the week ending. August the 24th, 2019, all the links for all the stories we talked about are in there. All 16 are in there. And you can see for yourself how you, too, can become a cyborg and open your car all by yourself. Why? I'm not sure. But that was the one of the freakiest stories we've had ever. One of the most massively responded Facebook stories we've had ever. And of course, the top story for this week, as said per you, you make the headlines, you make these things come out together, you tell me what to talk about, and I talked about it. None of these things are really big Chiron things, I don't believe, but uh, like I said, that's why we do these stories in this way, so that you can tell us what stories beyond all the mess that's on cable news all day is most important. If you feel that you did a bad job of it or I did a bad job of it or someone did a bad job of it, that means you need to get in on the love and on the work itself. Follow us on Facebook at this is the conversation. Follow us on Twitter at th underscore conversation. We're on Instagram as well. You can do that as well. But on Facebook and Twitter, every fifty minutes we post a news story from a different place, different source, different link. You can respond to the headline. you can actually read the article. That's novel. But what you do is you act on upon whatever you want to do with the actual post. Like it, love it, hate it, share it, do what you need to do to respond to the post. And the more responsive they get, just like the amazing response we got on that Tesla one, the higher it goes in the score. Just like that. Coming up in just a minute. We will have, I guess, some housekeeping to kind of explain our amazement in that big jump from the number one story. And, of course, the almost relevant story of this week, story number 212, 212. In just a moment, on the wrap-up show with Jay Levin Payne, coming up here in this podcast. Uh, this is the show for the week ending August the 24th, 2019. This is the conversation is powered by you. That means it needs funding. It needs help. It needs support, and you guys help it happen. You can help us directly by going to Patreon, Patreon.com/slash conversation. Also, ko-fi.com/slash Jake Stephen Payne. That way, you can help send. In direct payments to help fund the operation, but you can also just stop by and click on the links for our sponsors. Our sponsors allow us to operate, and of course, give you great deals for using our links as affiliates. And one of those great places, one of the greatest places, is Cloud Nine Living. I have sung their praises over and over again. And even though you may not be thinking about vacation now that summer is over and school is starting, now is a perfect time to be planning that next great big, amazing, stupendous vacation. And this is by using Cloud9 Living. They have not just vacation spots, they have experiences for you to live. Any sort of weird, wild, amazing, exotic thing you can think of, they've probably got an excursion for you. They got excursion near you and excursion in your price range. And here's the really, really, really best thing about it. Let's say you decide you don't want to choose what you want to buy right now. Get a gift certificate. Get a gift ticket for whatever price range you want. You can give that to anyone you want to as a great gift, and they can live off it. Or let's say you decide you want to do something specific, and you put a plan for it, and then you decide you change your mind. You've chickened out for the most part. You can change your excursion, change your experience Price by price, dollar by dollar, with no issue whatsoever. It's just essentially uh, an exchange. If if it costs you $1,000 for this excursion, you don't want to do it, you change it for another one that costs $1,000. The greatest thing about this is you buy your certificate, you buy your gift certificate, you buy your your package, it doesn't expire. The the value never goes away. So if you don't know what you want to do right about now, just know you want to do something, Get a gift certificate right now and don't worry about it losing value like your gift cards you get from other retail places. Go to this is the slash cloud nine. That's of course is the number nine. This is the conversation.com slash cloud nine. You get an extra special boost if you use our link for our affiliates, because they love you and they love us. So to make everybody a little bit happier, it works out greatly. So you support us and get a little bit extra special boost by going to that link at this is the slash cloud nine. They are one of the best places to think about when you're thinking vacations, thinking excursions. Do something new. Or do something not so new. They'll take care of it. They take care of everything at Cloud9 Living. Let's get into the housekeeping very quickly. This has been a segment that's been Overtaken by ties and by, you know, things like that, things that are really there are super stories. We're explaining how things work inside of it. Here we'll do a, we'll do a really quick explanation of how the process works, and then we'll talk a bit about the massive number one story because it is something to think about. Now, the process, as we've said, is simple. Facebook and Twitter all day long, you see the stories popping up in your feed and you like them, you respond to them, you do interact, engage with them as much as you want to. At the end of the week, Friday morning, we pulled all the numbers and placed them in a spreadsheet that weighs the Facebook and Twitter responses to an even match so that they're apples to apples, not apples to pears. We add those together, so you have a grand total score, and from top to bottom, this week, 120, 112 distinct different postings, we have a full listings. listings. Uh, we look at the numbers in the top 10, and we will actually top 20 or so, and make sure that all the stories in those don't aren't related, aren't essentially the same story updated that need to be put together. And then we come up with the stories. If, if there are some stories that need to be put together, we'll add them together and see what happens and see if they make move the needle any. And those become super stories. We look at the total number, the actual total score number. And if there's a tie in the top 10, uh, we look to the story that is the oldest first. It gets the higher juice. And, and from there, the story with the most facebook engagement because that's usually more dynamic see more difference in that one and then we give that story the higher spot we don't call it a tie per se we say the number is tied the score is tied but we give the higher number because we don't like saying ties to the story that beats out in the tiebreaker being older or more engaged specifically on facebook and this week we have none of that foolishness to go on which is cool but the only foolishness we have is the oddity that the Facebook story is the number one story and that's not so much as odd as it would be but by the sheer amount of numbers that it is. I don't have the percentages difference between Twitter and Facebook in front of me but as I said the um, top Twitter story was the number two story about the He-Man comic the He-Man cartoon for Netflix the number one story being a Tesla story the um, sheer amount of Facebook Uh, facebook interaction was amazing to have a story that is a million times more engaged than the number the, the bottom story is i don't know how i don't think we'll ever do that we've had some stories that have been really really big but a million percent more is a new one so let's go on to that story that's a million percent less engaging than the top story this week and most of that was because it was posted early this morning friday august 23rd as we record this so Since there's not a lot of time to get on this one, there really was not much time to do much with it. Our headline is New York Times editor deletes and apologizes for for past offensive tweets. This is a story that that's um, a sign of the times. we got it from the Hill. Uh, So I'm going to read a bit from the Hill. But this is a story that is a sign of the Times and how our engagement is no longer private and our private thoughts can quickly get us in trouble publicly. A senior editor at the New York Times apologized Thursday for offensive tweets from nearly a decade ago, as one Republican lawmaker called for his firing. Quote, I have deleted tweets from a decade ago that are offensive. I am deeply sorry, unquote. New York Times political desk editor Tom Wright Persanti said on Twitter after Breitbart News drew attention to the tweets. The tweets, which were deleted late Wednesday, include one from January 1st, 2010, in which Wright Pieris, santi referred to a crappy Jew year. And here's how it went. I was going to say crappy Jew year, but one of my resolutions is to be less anti-Semitic. So, happy Jew year, you Jews. Another from December 2009 referred to the Jew police. Yes, an actual person did this. Although, this is not the, not beyond the norm for the actual more or less um, intelligent person on the Twitter anyway. We are aware of these tweets, which are clear violations of our standards. We are reviewing next steps, New York Times said in a statement. Representative Lee Zeldin, a Republican of New York, who is Jewish, has called on Wright Piersani to be fired. An editor from the New York Times is scrubbing his Twitter account This guy, Tom Wright Persani, because he was self-describing himself as an anti-Semite and he was going after Jews and others, Seldon said on Fox News Thursday morning before saying he, quote, should be fired. Wright Persani also deleted other offensive tweets. If you want to go into what other offensive tweets they are, click the link and read them yourself. Now, I'm going to back up and commentate for a moment on this one. The problem, and I shouldn't say that because the problem is the guys saying offensive stuff, but the problem that we are having together is sort of a super backlash from political correctness. When it became apparent that you can't say the things you want to say because other people might be offended, we overcorrected and people couldn't say anything. So in response, what was normally once barbershop talk, things you can say around your own buddies who have that similar bent whether it is correct or not, it all becomes taboo in general. So you say in something like Twitter, which back 10 years ago, probably didn't, someone didn't think so much about people going back 10 years to look at what you're thinking on these random thoughts. I E no one cares about the sandwich you ate 10 years ago. The randomish things that nobody really jumps onto. It just gets really mashed up. The fact that the guide said, the things are stupid. Yes. The fact that they're being brought back to life by people who are essentially saying the same things is also a little bit sketchy, but you, you have that going on. Uh, but in this day and age, you've just got to remember the things you say don't go away, especially things you say digitally. This is something that I'm trying to teach my my, my stepson, who's 23, 24, and that you know all these random things he posts on the internet You know, one day when he wants to get a real job, may come back to haunt him these are things i'm trying to teach my seven-year-old that you know all the goofy things she sees people do on the youtube that we do monitor very strictly uh, aren't you know can come back and become an issue although at seven it's hard to really comprehend issues of, of any sorts other than is it going to get me candy that's my life that's what i got going on so your psa for today is remember what you say on the internet never disappears. It doesn't go away. You delete your tweets, but it gets stored in data, in bits in some places, somewhere, and if someone sees it, they can snag it and keep it and hold out of you forever. Coming up in mere moments, we'll get to the shout out showing love to people who showed us extra love on the Twitter and the Facebook, along with rounding out the top 15, stories number 11 through 15, stories not quite good enough, but pretty darn good on their own. We'll get to those in just a moment here on This Is The Conversation's wrap-up show. I said it right. Wow. With me, Jake Levin-Payne, this is the show for the week ending August 24th, 2019. Many of you who stumbled upon this podcast have come this way through my relationship with Chuck and Karen, who have two podcasts I have promoted heavily inside of all my work, especially here, that being Spy Stories and Context and Clarity. So those people who know those podcasts probably know about the world of history dweebs itself, something that's also, I guess, in the dweebish universe, if you will. If you haven't, I'm going to tell you about a podcast that you probably aren't going to like, but give it a shot. Anyway, History Dweebs offers up a very lighthearted look on some very dark parts of history, some very deep and disturbing history bits, things that they definitely aren't teaching in um, sixth grade history class that offer up your chance to really get a sense of how the world actually does work when we're not hiding from how the world actually does work. The host, a guy named Tim, a guy called the Colonel, and a lady named Brandy, offer up bits of comedy in between bits of reading history facts. History facts that are pretty disturbing, to be honest, but it is what it is. History being it is what it is. History being written by, of course, the victors and the people who want the better story as opposed to, sometimes the blood and guts that it is. It's not a podcast for everyone. In fact, it might not be a podcast for pretty much anyone. The humor is a bit dark and disturbing at times, but it's a podcast and a community that is so in love with itself that all the members who listen to it and all the members who are part of it and contribute to it um, are a very, very distinct family unit. So once you get into it, you're into it. If you don't get into it, trust me, I understand. Look for history dweebs. History dweebs anywhere your pods are cast because it's all over the place, like most podcasts. I believe it is a Podbean produced uh, entity. So if you're on the Podbean, that's the first place to look for it. And if you like it, which you may not, look out. Seek out one of the members of their Facebook community. They don't really live online as so much out in the open. But they kind of sneak around in this community and Facebook, and you can really get into some really, really even deeper, darker stuff there as well. So if you love history and love darker history and love bad humor, then History dreams may be the one for you. And it may not be. So it is explicit. Please have no children around when you're listening to it. Earbuds only. And just give it a listen. If you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know. I probably shouldn't say let me know, but let me know regardless. This week, we are spotlighting History Dweebs because these are some guys that, you know, podcasters support podcasters, and these guys support me in all of my endeavors. And this podcast, although it took me a little while to actually get into it and understand the whole point of it, once I did, it became a hilarious piece that I must get into every time a new episode's out there. So check it out for yourself. Give it a try. If you don't like it, you can always stop listening. It's called History Dweebs. It's all over the internet. And if you love it, seek out a person to let you in on their inner circle on their Facebook page. For this week's shout-outs, I'll begin by once again saying I'm dedicating this week's show to my friend Jack Heinrichs, who um, apparently was dealing with something a little too heavy for us to help him out with, and we no longer have him to deal with. So unfortunately uh, this is a sad, sad state of affairs that some of us deal with. And we'll talk a lot about this coming up next month at nauseum, as it is suicide prevention month for uh, the United States national suicide prevention month. But this week, one more reminder of the suicide prevention hotline 1-800-273-8255 one 800 273 8255. The last four letters spell out talk one eight hundred two seven three 273 talk for the National Suicide Prevention Hot Lifeline. And Jack, definitely know that we all miss you down here. So now to the shout outs from people who showed us love on Facebook and Twitter. Let's start off with the Facebook love this week. People who went to our Facebook page at this is a conversation. Make sure you set us as default. So we pop up in your feed all the time and clicked on the links, shared some stuff, did some love, especially did extra love for that stuff for the Tesla stuff. That was bonkers. Daniel Williams this week. Also Ann Miller, Alina Castella, also Peter Wilkinson, Thiel, Anissa Walker, Tanya Smith, Darlene Bennett, and, and also the Shahu uh, name that there's no way I'm going to pronounce. Derrick Jones as well. That one I can say. Moving on to folks on Twitter. These people showed us love on Twitter, Xers Love as well. The Spun, Lorella, The Medium Masters, Mildred Kidd, Annabella Lee, FM. Thank you, FM, Kim Wilford, Kim Wilford, a lot of Kim Wilford there. And Brenda Wagner. Thank you so much, guys, for showing us love in those sources. You can get your shout-outs here as well by simply liking, loving, sharing, doing a little bit extra inside of the Facebook and the Twitter, and we'll read out as many of those each week as we can get to in the time allotted. Now let's get on to getting over and done with this thing, rounding out the top 15. These stories will have a little less context as into their placing other than their one to fifth or one to... 11 through 15 placing, but we'll go into some of the stories. We'll read a bit from some of them and go into detail on why we thought they were kind of important and why you guys didn't jump on them quite as much, although they were pretty high into the listings with that big one at number one. It's hard to beat out anything, but some weeks it is what it is. The number 11 story this week is Devon Bailey's Bailey shooting body cam footage released as family demands, independent probe. That's from the Washington Post. We sourced that. August the 16th is the day that we posted that one, Friday, August 16th, so very early. And this one lasted quite a long time in the countdown, including a bunch of these did, actually. Now, this one, if you've not seen it on television, click on the link and look at the video. This is a video of arrest of two young black men who were suspected of holding up a a liquor store, doing some, 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 some nonsense, and they were essentially standing in front of the police, And they were being told to comply. One person, Devon Bailey, ran and was shot. And we have pictures from body cam, a very detailed and a very disturbing picture of the body cam of it going down. They've later said they found a gun on him when they were questioning about guns. So that was their that's their excuse, for lack of a better word. That's that's the reasoning behind what happened. But watching the video, uh, seeing what's happening there. The family called for an independent investigation on top of that. We'll see how this one will play out because it'll take a while for this to actually play out over time. Story number 12, Manhattan subway shut down. New York station closed over suspicious pressure cookers posted on Friday, August 16th. This one was a very big deal that went live because panic in New York has been the big thing going on the car the motorcycle that backfired a few weeks ago caused quite a stir this one as you would suspect with pressure cookers caused quite the quite the uproar what turned out to be not quite nothing but not quite as what it meant to be more of a scare number one they weren't pressure cookers they were rice cookers. So the my understanding is the pressure cooker, put something in a pressure cooker with enough um, pressure can cause something to explode. These being rice cookers, probably weren't going to do anything. They weren't plugged up. They weren't set to do anything. And they were placed one in a subway station and one a little bit further down in Manhattan. We got the, the link from Yahoo News, which do, which was doing something off the independent, pulling up essentially a live feed of stuff. Uh, As was going on, but of course, as we found out fairly quickly, they were innocuous. They found the guy who dropped off the pressure cookers. They relieved all fears of what was possibly happening, but it was just a basic situation of somebody being an idiot trying to scare someone. Uh, and like I said, they weren't pressure cookers they were rice cookers, not that that made the big difference in itself. The whole fact of the fear that it instilled for about an hour til they figured it out, especially since it ruined the commute for people in New York City at, at the stopping at a fairly major subway station became the issue with that one there. The story ranking in at number thirteen this week goes as has us going back into the Matrix. Even though the story as a trilogy seemed perfect, Matrix Four is officially coming around, and it's going to star of Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss and real return Lana Wachowski, who is was one of the Wachowski brothers, now a sister and she's going to write the script so coming up in fairly little bit probably won't take very long to do this one once um, we get through all the Bill and Ted stuff we'll be back into the Matrix returning to be plugged back in and see what happens after Neo more or less did his Messiah like death in the last one There's a couple of other things you might want to check out inside of the story. We sourced it from Variety, so if you want to click on the link for this week's podcast, you can see more details on what they're saying about the story so far. But suffice it to say, in a couple more years, those young whippersnappers who don't understand why it's so funny watching the slow-mo guy dodge bullet will maybe get a chance to understand where all that insanity came from, or maybe they'll just think we're old farts and just roll with that. Story number 14 spot has us mourning another great actor, a great legend of the time. Here is the headline. Peter Fonda dead at 79 after lung cancer battle. Friday, August 16th, the day we posted that one. We'll read you some from that one. TMZ is our source, but obviously stories this big cannot be contained by TMZ. So we're going to go ahead and read you some of the, the story that we have here and then just kind of get into it. Hollywood icon Peter Fonda is easy riding into the sunset. The veteran actor died Friday, TMZ has learned. A rep for Peter confirmed he passed Friday morning at his home in Los Angeles and was surrounded by family. We're told the official cause of death was respiratory failure due to lung cancer and he had been in and out of hospitals recently. Peter is Jane Fonda's brother and the son of Henry Fonda. The family released a statement saying, quote, in one of the saddest moments of our lives, we are not able to find the appropriate words to express the pain in our hearts. While we mourn the loss of this sweet and gracious man, we also wish for all to celebrate his indomitable spirit and his love of life. Peters is most famous for his iconic role in the 1969 counterculture classic Easy Rider, which he co-wrote and produced. He also co-starred with Dennis Hopper and Jack Nicholson. The 50th anniversary of the film just passed on July 14th, and Peter was planning a concert and screening for September to celebrate. He got an Oscar nomination for writing Easy Rider. He was also nominated for Best Actor for his role as a beekeeper in Yuli's Gold. That was in 1997. Most recently, Peter won a Golden Globe in 2000 for The Passion of Anne Rand. He was married three times. His most recent wife was Margaret de Volgarte. So, TMZ goes on to do their thing and shows old pictures of the, him walking through airports and just snapping paparazzi stuff. But uh, on on very serious note, a very um, very likable actor, very liked actor in the world. And there's also an update on words from Jane Fonda herself on the passing of her brother. Uh, you can read more about this by searching the internet or essentially just go to our website, click on the link for this post, and get the details per TMZ. And finally, we are at the end. We are at the end of the podcast, so that means the very last story, which is uh, it's 15 this week, and It's another CEO stepping down. This one, not because he's doing crazy spy stuff. This one is because of, well, crazy protest stuff. I told you we'd get back to protesting today, and so we did. In the number 15 story this week with the headline, CEO of Cathay Pacific Airlines resigns amid Hong Kong protests. The stats on this one essentially is it was posted. We posted it coming up on Friday on, I'm sorry. Yeah. Friday, August 16th. So this one lasted quite a bit of time as well. A lot of stories in this week were ones that hung on quite a bit because they were important. This one, not quite important enough to be first segment, top 10 material. I'll read you some lines from NPR, our source for this one. The CEO of Cathay Pacific airlines, Hong Kong's flagship carrier, Stepped down Friday following a chaotic week that began with thousands of pro democracy protesters overwhelming Hong Kong International Airport. CEO Rupert Hogg led Kathleen Pacific Group for three years, but on Friday the company announced he was leaving. These have been challenging weeks for the airline, Hogg said, adding that he took responsibility as the leader of the company. His resignation comes after Beijing exerted pressure on the carrier. Protesters, initially spurred by an ex- extradition bill in June, stormed one of the world's busiest airports, disrupting flights this week. Critics denounced Cathay Pacific for following the orders of China's aviation regulation, regulatory under the Communist Party. It fired two pilots on Wednesday in connection with the protests and threatened to sack more employees who supported their demonstrations. John Slohar, the company's chairman, said Friday that recent events, quote, put our reputation and brand under pressure and and the new leadership quote could reset confidence. You can go deeper into the words that are there. You can call them whatever you want to call them. More, more people calling them propaganda than anything. We go deeper into the words by simply clicking the link for this week's podcast at com. This is a podcast for the week ending August 24th, 2019. And all the links for all 16 of the stories we announced in today's show are there. And since we just announced link number 15, which is technically 16, that means we're done for the show. And this is the part where I wrap things up in a very rambling and inco- incoherent manner that hopefully will get you the calls to action you're looking for. Even though there are way too many calls to actions to be said. Number one, thank you for listening to the podcast. This podcast does not exist without you. You you. So you help us be there by number one, listening to the podcast, and number two, supporting the things that keep the podcast alive. So our Patreon, once again, Patreon.com slash this is a conversation. Also K O dash C I dot com slash this J Cleveland pain Get those confused. To help you help us keep things going. Visit our sponsors. That's one way to just buy stuff, and they'll pay us for you buying stuff. And our sponsor for Spotlighting this week is one of our favorites, Cloud9 Living. One of the coolest things you can do is to basically share the conversation with other folks and share the podcast specifically. And so we ask you to share it with anybody, family, friends, strangers, enemies, people are random on the streets. Just grab a person's phone and... And open up their podcatcher for asking for the password because it's probably locked. Open up their podcatcher if they don't have one. Insert your favorite podcatcher because it's it's about you sharing with them. And then subscribe to the podcast and hand it back to them. And you know start one playing and they'll they'll and they'll love it. And then do that at least ten more times a day. And you'll be helping us doing us a real solid on that one. Of course, just get in and vote. It's simple. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook, it's this is the conversation. On Twitter, it is th underscore conversation and. As you see our stories come in your feed, just interact with them, react to them, love them, hate them, share them, do what you need to. The more interactions they get, the higher the score goes up in for the postings. Of course, uh, check out the podcast, or don't check out the podcast or History Dweebs, because um, as one of the hosts said, most people don't like them very much. But maybe you do, and if you do, that puts you in a very, very 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 small class of people maybe not even high class if you will check out history dreams online anywhere your pods are cast and of course make sure you are subscribed to this podcast here so you don't miss out on it every single week as it comes down we count down the stories as you say are most important based on what you agree are really interesting stories not just what the headline news tells us all day long so thank you for telling us what to talk about we can't do this without you And unfortunately, I'll be doing this going forward without my friend Jack Hiritz, a very esteemed news director in radio and a literal voice of God and a person who always gave me direction on how I was doing things, who gave me the, the green light I didn't necessarily need, but essentially the green light to make sure that I was doing what turned into this project many, many years ago. So thank you, Jack, so much for being there for me. Wish I could have been there for you at one of your latest moments. With that, we're going to end on the note we always end in, saying thank you a few times. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with us for This Is A Conversation's wrap-up show. For the week ending April the 24th, 2019, it is brought to you by The Conversations Project at conversation.com.